0: How to boost productivity and creativity. Why working less actually makes you more efficient. When you should be risk averse versus risk tolerant. How the first method allowed him to make seven figures in way less time. And so much more coming right up. This is episode number 337 with author of the new book, Thursday is the New Friday, Joe Sanoff. What's up, everyone? And welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You podcast. Do you want to become more fit and more confident than ever before in just 10 short weeks then you should join the 10-week transformation program today just go to www.nickcarrier.com and we will collaborate to cast a clear vision and create a simple strategy to help you achieve your fitness goals prepare to show the world the most fit most confident and best version of you today i'm super excited to bring you joe sanok joe is the author of thursday is the new friday a tedx speaker consultant and top podcaster. With over 600 interviews, he has expertise in brain optimization, slowing down to spark innovation in the four-day work week. Before diving in, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share this episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is click the share button or send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer to your best you with the one and only Joe Sanok. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Today, I am super excited to bring on the one and only Joe Sanok. Joe, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today.
1: Yeah, I am so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, man, of course. I know you got a busy schedule, but I assume super honored that you're uh, we're going to be able to spend about 20 minutes here together today. Um, we're going to knock out some great stuff, I know. Um, So you've had a lot of schooling in in what it is that you do. You have a bachelor's in psychology, you have a master's in counseling psychology and community counseling, and then you have a trauma response and grief counseling uh, certification. I'm interested. I think a lot of times we can learn a ton in education, but there's so much that we can learn from actual application and actually on the job as well. So what are maybe three of the most important lessons that you've learned through actually doing your counseling, doing your practice and actually coaching people that you didn't learn or you wouldn't have learned just through your schooling?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, even just like the business side of that, I had no business classes at all. Uh, and so, just learning that I didn't have to do what I was trained in, you know, I, to have got a master's degree in psychology and then sold my practice in 2019, uh, what an identity shift to be like, you know, I'm not a practicing psychologist anymore. Uh, so, to just realize that, you know, life can be what you want it to be, that we have the freedom to say, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, that's not something I was taught. I was taught, you know, you go to school, uh, you get a good job, you stick with that job, and then you kind of make it work for a career. So that was a big one. I would say that you know, even outside of just work, um, I've traveled a ton since, you know, when I was 19, I went to Europe for six weeks and then just, you know, kind of bummed around at youth hostels, but just traveling um, to so many different countries for me has just showed me the vastness of the world. And to me, that's really important to look at not just how interesting the world is, but also just how much privilege we have in the world. And so, you know, I've done a lot of work down in Haiti and other countries that uh, just have it much differently than we do. So just to have a general appreciation for just the simple things in life. I think when I have successes, it's awesome. But also, you know, to realize that our toilet water is cleaner than half the world's water. So to just have a basic starting point of we've got it pretty dang good. Um, then I say the last lesson I've really learned outside of school um, would really just be how um, slowing down really is the key to just explosive growth. Um, that when we slow down and optimize our brains, that that really is the thing that helps us just explode into bigger things in life.
0: Yeah. I'm really excited to, to, to talk about slowing down and, and how that can lead to explosive growth. But before, you know, you talked about the first one, how you don't have to do what it is that you study. And you talked about how in 2019, when you sold your practice, it was kind of a big identity shift. Was that kind of like a, was that a struggle for you when you sold your practice to kind of refigure out who it is that you wanted to be, what it is that you wanted to do and, and that sort of thing?
1: You know, I'm a pretty risk-averse guy. Uh, I'm the primary income earner, and, you know, have my girls and you know, taking care of them. And so both of them also had heart issues. So when I left my full-time job in two thousand and fifteen um, to go do my private practice and to do my podcast, it was very thought out. I had this whole like when to leave your job calculator I had made and <laughs> actually like made a blog post out of it and like just ran the numbers to see exactly how many clients I needed to have on a regular basis to equal the amount of money that I was making in my full-time job. So, I tend to be really analytical and also probably move slower than I should, uh, because I could be so risk averse. And so in 2019, I had spent about a year thinking through whether or not I really wanted to keep the practice, sell the practice, just shut it down. I knew that I was, I was really done with running the practice. Um, I wasn't passionate about counseling. I was down to one or two sessions a week. I had a group practice. So there were lots of other people doing that work and I really had shifted into doing more of the consulting. And so that was predictable income that was coming in already. So really, it was a slow shift where, you know, I went from probably 10 sessions a week to five sessions to two, then to like selling the practice. So it well thought out rather than just a like mic drop piece out, I'm leaving.
0: I think that's awesome that you were very risk averse and had that uh, when to leave your job calculator. I think that's cool. And you know, I think it's it's one of those things where you probably need a balance of risk averse versus willing willing to be risky, right? So Kind of with that in mind, have there been times where you feel like being very risk averse has held you back versus when were the times that you felt like it was really beneficial? So again, when were the times where the risk aversion held you back versus when it was helpful?
1: Well, when I look at how much money I started making after I left my full-time job, like every month was better than the month before and thinking, man, if I had done this two years sooner like I would be two years farther into this income. And so I think that in a lot of ways it did slow me down, but I, through that process, really learned how I best operate. And so now... You know, I'll look at all the things that are on my plate, um, and I'll automate as many of those as I can. And so I'll bring in team members that I'm paying, you know, fifteen to twenty-five bucks an hour, um, so that I can go do my consulting that's, you know, three grand an hour. Uh, and so to be able to then say, okay, I'm taking these things off of my plate over and over, so that I'm really just putting my time into the best use of my time. And so I can't send my director of details, Jess, to come talk to you and do an interview on my behalf. I mean, I guess I could, but it'd be super lame, you know. And he'd be like, why is Jess here? Um, So this is the best use of my time right now during a book launch. Um, And so making sure that everything else is as automated as possible. So I try to really refine what's on my plate. And then I have the space and the emotional capacity and creativity to work on something big each year. And that's where I take my risks. And so in late 2018, uh, the big risk was, okay, I need to try to find a publisher that's going to publish my book. I want to get someone at like HarperCollins level. How do I reverse engineer that? How do I have a New York Times bestselling book? So really, looking at well, first I need to find an agent. Then I need to have a writing coach with the proposal. Then we need to shop around that proposal and just figure out all the steps of getting a traditionally published book. And then um, once it was, you know, all turned in, then how do you market that book? What do top New York Times bestselling authors do? Well, they do over 200 media appearances in the lead up to it. So what am I doing? Over 200 media appearances in the lead up to the book, and you know, having really big podcasts, you know, smaller podcasts, having well-placed articles in like. Uh, like Harvard Business Review, but then also in local newspapers. And so really figuring out how do you do all that? So that the risk then is calculated, but if it fails, I still have my core business. And then at some point, the book will move onto the plate and I'll automate as much of that as I can. And then have probably one of my assistants reach out to podcasters on a regular basis, but it's not going to be the same type of push. And then it'll be, what's that next big risk that I want to enter into?
0: I like that. I want to start diving into a little bit. Uh, Thursday is the new Friday. You know, you mentioned in the beginning how fewer hours or slowing down can boost creativity and boost productivity. And I'm just go ahead and I'm I'm going to be a perfect test subject or a per- perfect person to try to convince because I'm just the kind of guy who, you know, I work, uh, I'm an entrepreneur, have my own business, a small business, and I work on it seven days a week um, because I because I love it and, and everything like that. Start to convince me as to why slowing down
1: does boost creativity and boost productivity. Sure. Well, I think there's such a hustle culture right now that glorifies overworking. Uh, So the research shows that we actually have a break point where we feel like we're being productive, but we're actually not getting the best quality work done. And so um, there's a few things. We've overvalued work and we've undervalued things outside of work. So I'd say we undervalue fun um, because oftentimes we don't see that as being beneficial. But the reality is the lessons we can learn, the people that we meet, the connections we make, or even just the different industries that we look at through what we're doing for fun can give us all sorts of ideas that we bring back into our industry to be more creative. And so, you know, take the typical entrepreneur like yourself, like I'm like that too, where I love what I do and I could do it seven days a week, but by starting to say, okay, I'm going to give myself less time. It forces you to do a couple things. And so it forces you to only work on the very best use of your time. And so instead of doing the 20 tasks you have in a week that you're doing seven days a week, maybe now you can only do 10 or 15 of those. And so those five tasks that are just a waste of your time. So maybe you're designing things on Canva and you're like updating your website and you're learning coding for your website to optimize it for seo these things that really aren't the best use of your time that you could be paying someone 15 or 20 bucks an hour through upwork to do you can be doing that higher level thing i'd much rather see you do four days of just crazy networking with top influencers and being on other people's podcasts and you know being the the person that you are very strategically and have all those other things that feel like work Outsource that to other people. And so then what happens is every single week, if you're spending, you know, four days running full tilt at the biggest picture things, now you have week after week that you're building on top of each other. Instead of you're burned out, you're stressed out, you're working on all these things that really aren't a great use of your time.
0: The thing that really hit me was you talked about how, you know, when you only have so much time to work, you're going to choose the most important things and the things that are going to be the best use of the time and the things that you're really going to get the biggest uh, return on your investment from what were some of the things that you started to eliminate um, that you were doing that were not the best use of your time that really uh, started to like increase your productivity?
1: Yeah. I remember the moment when... Um, so I had eliminated a whole bunch of things I just hated doing. That's that's easy to outsource those things you hate. But I'm a creative, artistic guy. And so every single podcast that I put out so we're at over 600 episodes now, um, I would do the show notes for it. I would make you know a beautiful image that looked cool and hip and matched the brand. Um, and each episode would take me about three hours for me to record it, do the show notes, do this cool graphic. I felt artistically fulfilled. Like I I do all my own stuff. And it's like all me. Uh, so if you like it, it's like all for my own affirmation. Right. But I remember I hired this lady, Sam, uh, to start taking over the show notes and the images. And in that three hours, I was then able to record five episodes. And so we went from one episode a week to two episodes a week. Um, then you know we were recorded out much farther. So I was able to take more time off. And the amount that it actually cost me to have her do that was so minimal. And you know what? I now do art just for fun. I don't have my artistic bend go through the work that I'm doing within the business. And so that was one of those things that just unleashed so much more content that I could do. I had so much creative space because I wasn't doing this thing that I thought I enjoyed and should be doing, but actually it was better to hand that off.
0: Tell me this though. Do you think that's something that you kind of had to do for a little bit, like in the sense that you wouldn't have been able to outsource it right away for, could have been Financial reasons or could have been whatever, but like, because I always think like there's certain, certain things like that, that obviously you don't want to do in the beginning, but you just kind of have to be the person do in the beginning. And then you reach a certain point where you can delegate or, or pass it on to somebody else or hire somebody. Do you feel like you had to do some of that stuff in the beginning before delegating?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a phase when you're in a startup that, that you've got to kind of put in the reps. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to. Um, I think, you know, from a financial standpoint, you know, time is on your side when you're bootstrapping at the beginning. You have plenty of time to do it. Why not do it and learn it? But more times than not, people like you and I will put on multiple hats and then we get to a certain spot. And instead of taking those hats off, we just keep doing it. And that's where people need to really say, okay, if I wanted to outsource this, what would I need? I'd need one one client that pays me a hundred dollars an hour that meets with me once a week. So for 400 bucks, I could probably outsource all of that and buy back 10 or 20 hours you know, to be able to say, okay, this one hour, if I can charge this much higher rate, what's it going to take for me to just start outsourcing things. And that's where that reinvesting of saying, I'm going to take a certain percentage of my income and put it back into staff that can support me so that I can keep leveling up faster.
0: I like that. Uh, well, I want to get down to the second last question here and a little bit part of the book. I know you have a, a the first method for getting more done faster. Can you, can you talk a little bit about kind of what that looks like? Hi, my name
1: Abby. I joined next 10-week program to eat healthier and get stronger. This is the healthiest that I've ever eaten, and I could tell changes in my body within the first few weeks. My favorite part of the program is the accountability that the program and Nick offers. You should join Nick's 10 week program. Yeah, so the first method, um, so we're gonna start with looking at the low hanging fruit. So the F is fruit. And so we want to look at what's already easy. So uh, if you already have clients to just walk through the process we talk about in the book of how you get them to tell you what they want to buy next, rather than saying, I'm going to film this whole e-course and then try to squeeze people into it. Well, let's survey your audience. Let's talk to them. Let's figure out what it is that are their needs. What's the pain that they want to address? What's the perfect product that they would love for you to make? And what what will they pay for that? Um, So by looking at that low-hanging fruit, then you're not kind of pushing against the river and you're just going with it. Next for the eye of it, we're going to inflect. And so by inflecting, we're going to act as if. Um, And so in the same way that my book is not yet a New York Times bestselling book, but I am going to say I am going to act like I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I'm not going to tell people I'm not going to lie that I am, but I am going to show up and I'm going to do all the research that it takes to know how to show up for interviews prepped and ready and be able to walk through things in the same way that I'm acting as if I'm already a New York Times bestselling author. Next, the R is reinvest. And so that's reinvesting in your teams, in your structures, in your software um, to make sure that you're as efficient as possible outside of your own time. Uh, Because if you're always the one that's doing everything, then that means that you're going to be your biggest blockade. And really, you've given yourself a job, not a business. Because if you can't go on vacation without your business falling apart, that's a problem. That's not a business. That's a job. The S then is specialized. So one of my main uh, kind of target audiences are people that own counseling private practices. I owned a counseling private practice. You know, I've done over six hundred episodes about that topic in different business areas. And so by hyper specializing in that area, I can charge way more because the average counselor is going to be charging anywhere from two hundred to three hundred bucks an hour. Which means that as a consultant, I'm going to be able to charge significantly higher than that to give them different outcomes. So you want to specialize in, and and then the T is time limited. We're looking at 6 maybe 12 months. Uh because you know when we think about 5 year goals, the person I was 5 years ago is so different than where I am now. And I would have Like shortchanged myself so much by saying five years from now I want to be doing these things. Five years ago, Joe would have played way too small. So we really want to say, what's the next reasonable goal in the next six to twelve months? Um, Sometimes there's a little larger goals. So for me, it was the book. I knew that I was going to break up that book into kind of chapters, no pun intended. Um, But it's going to be like first find an agent, then write the book, then you know market the book. That it's still six month goals that I know that there's a certain period of time and focus for that time limit period of time.
0: Yeah, I love it, guys. Make sure you uh take note on that first. Fruit, inflect, reinvest, specialize, and time limited. Uh that's the first method of getting more done faster. Well, before I ask the last question, real quick here, Judge, just want to acknowledge you um for doing for doing this work and, and for letting people know that this slowing down is the key to boosting creativity and productivity because a lot of my people who listen to this are ambitious people, are go-getters, and they're the kind of people who will work five, six, seven days a week if uh, left to their own devices. And I know it's the message that I need to hear as well and that so many others do. Um, so I appreciate you uh, spreading that word. Um, and so everybody, make sure you go support the book and, and go get it. Um, Thursday is the new Friday by Joe Sanok, and you can find it at www.joesanok.com book. And I'm sure on Amazon and other, other places the uh, the book is sold and you can find its podcast at Practice of the Practice Podcast. Last question, Joe. Getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. Um, I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is different than the way that you're going to get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or currently work on to get closer to the best version of Joe Sanock that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on?
1: I would say uh, continue to work on meditation because it reminds me um, to be a human being, not a human doing, uh, to just sit there and just enjoy the presence of just being aware. Uh, So that's a really big one um, that I'd say I'm working on. I would say continuing to work on uh, physical fitness. I had a really bad back surgery when I was 19 years old, had a snowboarding fall. So I'm always on the brink of... um, having a flare up. And so for me, if I can focus on my physical side, just to not just take my physical health for granted, that that would be one. And then I would just say, just continuing to just enjoy my two girls, you know, they're seven and 10 Um, in just a couple of years, they're going to, you know, hate me rightfully. So, you know, they have to differentiate and become their own people. Um, but you know, that that's on the horizon, but I think that just continuing to have a nice pace where we enjoy our time together. We kind of grow as, as a family and continue to be the best version of myself with my daughters.
0: Amen. Awesome. Well, well three great things, Joe pumped for Reading the book Thursday is a new Friday and good luck with the rest of it and becoming that New York Times bestselling author.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And we do have a mastermind group about Thursday is the New Friday for people that buy 10 of the book. It's going to be amazing where uh, you get access to that throughout November and December. And so they can just submit their receipts over at Thursdayisthenewfriday.com if they buy 10 books. Um, so then you get free access to that. We have tons of great podcasters and influencers that are a part of that to really start to implement it. So that would be one of the, the best things if people really want to take that next step to implementing this to join that mastermind group by getting that 10 book buy.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Well, I appreciate it. That's all we got today. Thanks, Joe. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. I hope you all enjoyed this awesome episode with Joe. Be sure you share the episode with a friend or family member by clicking the share button, or you can just send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Also, be sure you rate it and review it on the iTunes and Apple podcast app, and let me know what your favorite takeaway from Joe was. Go grab a copy of Thursday is the New Friday at thursdayisthenewfriday.com. I'm pumped to pick it up myself because I think this is the message that I need right now to decrease my workload, delegate more so that I can do the things that are the best use of Nick Carrier's time, like the things that are the best use of Nick Carrier's unique qualities. I talked to Joe after the recording and asked him what the first step was to working less and he said to schedule in your calendar things that are not work. Because if free time opens up, then a lot of ambitious people like myself will just fill it in with work. I know that is 100% me. So I'm gonna to start to find things that I can put in my calendar that are not work to force me to prioritize those things that are only the best use of my time. I know that if I can do this better, it will help me get closer to the best version of myself. And if you join me, it will help you get closer and closer to your best you.